coming to you from Six Feet Under Toledo. This is the Two 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 Paranormal Podcast with your host Jennifer Shortridge. <gasps> That's me and me, Joe. Birthday month, birthday, birthday month. week. <laughs> so excited! And and a special guest, a special a special <laughs> uninvited guest we have on my microphone is this little ladybug that keeps flopping around. <laughs> Strange things happen when you podcast. Yes. And speaking of podcasts, uh, with us today, we have a very, very special guest from across the pond, a fellow podcaster who has a podcast called Peer Beyond the Veil, and it's Mark L. Watson, who is a author, a fellow podcaster. He's in his second season. Um, very, very interesting podcast. Yeah, Mark likes to explore the physical and the metaphysical realms of the paranormal. He covers the gamut of paranormal guests that he has and just high quality guests. Mm -hmm. I've been listening to his show now for a little while. Um, I was introduced to him for his Halloween special. Yeah, Joe was on his show. And since then, I've been listening to him regularly and it's just such an honor to have him on the show. Yeah, we're really, really excited and he has a great accent too. (laughs) (laughs) So let's welcome to the show, Mark. Hey, yeah, great guys. Yeah, brilliant. Thanks for for having me on. Yeah, we really appreciate you uh, coming on with us. Now, what time is it where you're at now? Because we're in the middle of the day. We normally tape at night. It's 6 p.m. here, so it's just got dark. um, February time here in London. So sunsets, and sunsets probably about an hour ago, but it's uh, it's just kind of reaching kind of proper darkness here. Um, which is coming off the tail end of the worst storm oh. to hit our little island in over 30 years. Wow. Um, so I've uh, had to refix the shed roof and put the fence panels back up. And yeah, we're just kind of, this is the calm after the storm. We've oh. had quite the battering over the last 24 hours or so. Well, we're glad that you made the, through the storm and are with us today. I did. And the internet's still connected, so we can yeah. still talk. So, so <laughs> you could basically tell us the future. Yeah, it's six o'clock there and it's one o'clock here. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) What are the winning lotto numbers? (laughs) (laughs) That's great. So Mark, a fellow podcaster. Yes, Pure Beyond the Veil podcast. Yes. How long have you been doing your podcast? We've done two full seasons um, and I'm putting together the kind of framework for the third. Um, We... We have an interview format, so um, each episode will feature um, a professional within various fields, and it's quite loosely affiliated. So it's not it's not just you know ghosts and cryptids and UFOs. I try to reach into kind of professionals within the fields of consciousness studies and you know psychic abilities. And I spoke to one guy about tarot and one girl about kind of dream studies and um so it's it's kind of loosely tied to to kind of all things weird and wonderful and metaphysical spiritual esoteric um but with obviously with with trying to line up what i would like to hope is a top tier guest on a weekly basis Mm -hmm. um just proved too too difficult so i like to make sure i've got at least a kind of half season Mm -hmm. in the bank before I start releasing episodes every week. Um, otherwise, the burden of trying to kind of reach top-end guests um, can get a bit much. The stress levels go up when you realize that there's there's nothing left to put out and they've got to, got to hit that release button on Friday. And, <laughs> yeah. 
We, As you guys know, oh, yeah. we feel you, brother. We feel you. <laughs> yeah, and there's all the behind-the-scenes work that, of mm-hmm. course, you guys are familiar with. That it's not just, you know, it's a 45-minute-hour show as 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 yours is that goes out weekly. But you've got to put all the notes together, schedule the call, have the call. Which, especially when I'm having calls with like 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 now with people on the other side of the Atlantic, it's not always easy to sure. for scheduling purposes. If they want an evening call, say it's 6 p.m. stateside you know, I'm looking at potentially midnight here Mm -hmm. to schedule something. And then, of course, as you know, there's the editing, there's the production, there's the marketing, there's all that stuff that goes behind it. So to to do it weekly is a a big ask. And there's some guys who do. I mean, I know I know some of the kind of big dogs who who are quite literally doing that workload Mm -hmm. weekly. Um, I'm, I'm quite kind of decent acquaintances now with Micah Hanks I'm sure you oh yeah he's got kind of three or four podcasts and he writes articles and you know and he's doing that every week and I said to him like you're the hardest working man like how do you have any (laughs) other part of your life Um, I know I I go on the Mysterious Universe website once in a while and I see his articles on there and then I'm clicking on other different sites and he's there too I'm like how does he find the time does he ever sleep you know yeah yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? Crazy. So, but I, I have two little kids, so I need to uh, try and lower that workload just yeah. slightly from uh, from some of those guys. And incredible. Um, so, yeah, season three is underway. Um, obviously, we did the Halloween special, which uh, you were so kind as to, to come mm-hmm. and join us on, Joe, which was which was great fun. Yeah, pulled in some of the kind of names from from around the, the weird world of, <laughs> of paranormal podcasting. I enjoyed it so much because I, I mean, I don't get a chance to get on a group call. Usually it's one-on-one and I can, I sat back and just listened and I'm like, <laughs> you guys go ahead and talk, man. I just want to listen to you guys. <laughs> so interesting. For sure. It actually was a little calmer than I thought. I thought, how am I going to kind of get eight or 10 people on a Zoom call mm-hmm. and then not have it be like a small room full of you know wild animals <laughs> how do i get everyone to just talk at once and, and, and... but uh yeah it was cool it yeah. went really well so. yeah because you know us podcasters we just want to talk right you right. know yeah. it's tough to just sit back and listen but the i i don't want to sound weird but the quality of people you had on that right. show are just unbelievable and i was honored yeah cool well no i was honored i was honored too yeah it, it's great it's a very inclusive um um community mm-hmm. um i think i speak to some people who think there are cliques within the paranormal community and i'm sure when you get into research there maybe are i think that, that there are different approaches to different types of research that when you get into the ufo community there are people who take a certain approach to it mm-hmm. and and that others disagree with and that probably stretches across the various mm-hmm. kind of verticals of paranormal research but i also find because we're all um occupying this space which is kind of on the edge of what is generally regarded as normal i mean i know a lot of people myself included who don't actually talk about a lot of this stuff to a lot of my kind of close friends Mm -hmm. because you get that that kind of slight smirk as if like this crazy guy you know and all these (laughs) crazy things he talks about in the bar so i think a lot of us know to kind of well, who, who and when to talk to about mm-hmm. these things. And there are a lot of people who are just blanket, not accepting of it. That actually, once we once we are all together, I think the community is very accepting that, mm-hmm. like, I, I, my attitude to it is that everybody from all these, all these uh, areas of, of paranormal, I hate the word paranormal, but that kind of scope of paranormal, mm-hmm. um, 
we're all we all know that like i know that they all get it yeah. or they're at least trying to mm-hmm. get it whatever it is i mean yeah. it, it is an indefinable thing but you know like you you're willing to put yourself on the edge and to 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 put yourself up for ridicule or whatever it might be to ask the questions that other people don't want to ask. Yeah. Um, so, so we have to, we're all accepting for each other. And I found there's such a warmth to, to all these people. And I, when I first started the podcast, try to aim bigger than I thought I possibly could in terms of trying to get guests on and thought, well, I can hit lower tier people. And I don't mean anything, any sort of disparaging mm. thing by that. Or I can try and get some of the biggest names who I have, whose books I have, whose podcasts I listen to, and they're just going to say no. Yeah. And then they didn't. And actually, they were willing to to come on, to answer the email, to come on to the podcast and talk, to take time away from TV shooting schedules to come and talk to me. And at first, I thought, that's mad. How, how have I managed to do that? And I thought, well, it's because, because it's a great little community of Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's people very who are just willing to just to recognize, yeah, to accept, yeah, mm-hmm. that's it. And that's one of the things. So, yeah, when, it's, it's great. It's when really... we do our conventions, there's so many like-minded people, and we've made such great connections. Um, and you know, you you know, when you go into a convention, whether it's paranormal or UFO, that everybody's there because they have a common belief that there may be something out there. Now, we all might not agree exactly on everything, um, you know, what things are, what things may not be, but we all are there for one common goal. So we've met great, great people mm-hmm. who have really supported us. And, um, you know, we have some, you know, for example, family members who think we're whack jobs. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, those two, right? So, you know, I, it's it's wonderful to be able to um, share our experiences with other podcasters as well because they understand that it's just like you said, not speaking for forty five minutes. It's hard work, mm-hmm. you know. And after six years, we've learned many lessons. Mm-hmm. Um, number one is to make sure you hit the record button. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> We've all been there. Right, right. But now let's um let's talk a little bit about your paranormal experience. Where did this drive and where did this passion come from? So I I haven't had any well no not any, but I haven't had any uh, significant paranormal experiences. I don't come as many were professed to come from a family where my mum was a psychic or mm-hmm. I lived in a haunted house as a kid. I didn't have any of that. Um I was always fascinated by it as a kid or as a kind of, you know, 10, 11, 12 year old, uh, as I'm sure most of the world did, was besotted by the X-Files. Mm. Um, I think was probably my first real push into because it was probably at the time just a little bit too old for what I should be watching. Mm-hmm. So it was just that there was a slight, you know, it's a kind of PG-15 and I was maybe 12. Mm-hmm. So it was. It was a little bit risky. It was a little bit scary. Looking back now, actually, that's none of it's really that scary <laughs> at all. But as a kid, you know, and was fascinated by all things strange. And I had ghost books and UFO books, but there was nothing much more to it than that. And then it was, it was just this kind of background fascination, but no more. Until I reached my, I don't know, mid twenties and started to find the confidence i think to to ask questions albeit just 
of the internet. You know, there, there was not necessarily anybody there to ask those questions to, but just to to not be shy to say, well, hang on, I believe, or I do not believe, or I don't know what that is, but I'm going to look into it. And when everyone else laughs and calls you, you know, wackos, as you said, <laughs> to say, oh, well, I don't care. I don't yeah. care because no one can disprove it, you know, mm-hmm. um, whatever, again, whatever it may be. And it just progressed and progressed. Um, I've always watched the ghost hunting shows, or paranormal shows of all type. I'm, I'm as fascinated by those weird stories of British folklore, fairies and elves, and as I am by um, physics shows on on the wider universe, and um, kind of all of it just formed this little framework of questioning, not not so much a belief in it as an ins- a, a, a thirst to just try to find out a little bit more about what it is. And if, and if the answer to that was to disprove it, then almost better. Um, and it, that, that kind of just thirst to keep learning, to, to keep asking questions. And, and, and even to this day, that just increases. Every day goes by. I just want to know even more. Mm-hmm. Um, until a few years back, I've always listened to paranormal podcasts, or at least for the last five, six, seven years. And it got to a point where the shows I was listening to would interview people They'd, they'd reference books, which I'd maybe go on to read or, or points or studies or papers that I'd go on to look into that just left me with more questions. And so then I thought, well, if I can do a show, mm-hmm. then I can call that guy and like, I can ask him questions myself, you know, or mm-hmm. questions that perhaps other podcasters weren't asking. And so, yeah, so it just kind of became this, this kind of... Uh, in, yeah, insistence on on just trying to learn more. And frankly, I haven't learned any more. <laughs> you never do. Yeah, it just keeps opening up more and more rabbit holes. And yeah. yes. you just keep going. For sure. That's the thing about the paranormal. It, you could go into 74 branches of one topic and still not have the answers. And, and that's the beautiful thing about a podcast coming up with show ideas is so easy mm-hmm. because there's so many questions out there. There's so many stories, locations, um, theories, conspiracies. It's all out there. You know, you can, I, it's, it's fascinating. We haven't, we have yeah. not um, duplicated a topic once in our six seasons <laughs> that we've been doing this, which is Yeah. And that just amazing. shows, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's sometimes where we go to do a show and we're like, uh, what are we going to talk about? You know, <laughs> and we do, it's like instant research, you know, but like you were saying earlier, it's just so hard every week to put out a show. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of work to it, yeah. but we love it. And that's why we do it. Yep. You know? Gotta have yeah, the passion for, sure. for it because when, mm-hmm. once I, you like, lose the passion. Jen, there's no, there's no end to time to discuss. Mm-hmm. It, you've just got to find a little bit of time and a little bit of invention to to think, oh well let's let's look a little bit into that this week or maybe mm-hmm. try and find someone who can discuss it. There's no end to it. No. You can do it for well you mentioned Mysterious Universe. They're on like twenty three or something. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and you know, of course they, they, they cover the same things occasionally, but you yeah. know weeks um gotta have the time to do it you know yeah. and the, mm-hmm. the drive and the passion for it which mm-hmm. obviously you know we all do they did an episode a couple weeks ago three weeks ago now that 
me and Jen covered and I didn't realize how big it really was. It's the phantom social workers. And I was blown away by their show because the research that we've done, I didn't realize that it was still going on for one and how big it was. And there again, you know, they've been doing it for 20 some years and they're still teaching us stuff. Right. Yeah. Sure. And a lot of that took place over here. And it's not yeah. something I'd, I, I heard that as well. And it's mm-hmm. not something I'd ever encountered before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the media deliberately didn't talk of it, but um, you know, as, as is the case with much of this stuff. So that's not, that's not any indication why we wouldn't have heard, but yeah, mm-hmm. a lot of that took place in the UK and yeah, as you say, perhaps still is, but um, yeah. Yeah. Do you exactly feel, your point. Do you feel that these sort of topics, paranormal, I'll just call them paranormal, <laughs> um, are really coming to the forefront because of the shows, because of the podcast. People are now talking about things that were long hidden that maybe governments had suppressed. You feel like it's being more accepted these days, more talked about? I absolutely feel that way. Mm-hmm. I think the... Um, the kind of wide advent of the internet has provided the, the kind of network of communication across the world, across even within certainly in the States with it being geographically bigger from coast to coast um, that wasn't there before. Um, if you speak to people of the previous generation when they were young and they were perhaps they'd experienced something they'd had an encounter, they wanted to look into something, they'd have to go to the local library, mm. hope a book was there. If it wasn't, it wasn't. You could tour libraries, perhaps, trying to find something. You might find a a postal address of somebody you could write to, and then you maybe would or you wouldn't hear back. Whereas now, I can type anything into Google. And even if if I think I'm the only person in the world who thinks something or has experienced something, now I can find somebody who completely agrees with me, who's had the same thing. And if that person may be in India, they may be in Tanzania, they may be in in Canada, you know, wherever... now I can speak to them like that, it's, you know, mm-hmm. it's and on air, we can share, like, I'm looking at you as we right. speak to each other. Right. Not yeah. even, we're not even on the phone, you know, I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm looking at you talking. And so, so, I said, it's very Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, isn't it? You know, we yeah. grew up in the seventies um, and eighties. So we were, you know, all the sci-fi shows were being shown and all of that has come to fruition now. Right. You have, yeah, a, exactly. you have a watch. Yeah, so I think, I think it absolutely certainly feels that way for me. And it's very difficult because that's quite a subjective thing in that I feel it's more accepted. I am more accepting of it. And as I step into the world or I step through this kind of world of the paranormal and I meet all these people in it and they're all accepting, I find the confidence to speak of these things to people who are more accepting that yes, the answer to your question is yes, I absolutely think it's more accepting. Mm -hmm. However, if I wasn't me and I was perhaps looking in on it, do I think it's more accepting? I mean, yeah, I do as well, but it's it's difficult to to kind of judge when you're inside the box as to what Mm -hmm. other people may think. I know if I go down to the local bar, the local pub, there's only going to be a couple of people sitting in there who are accepting Mm -hmm. of this discussion. So yes, Mm -hmm. but no. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Though, yeah. And, more accepting than before. Yes. And think about how many people come up to you once they find out that you're kind of into the paranormal or talk about it on the show or whatever, and they look at you and go, "I don't believe in what you do, but there was this one time, you know." <laughs> Everyone has something. Yeah. 
I can't tell you how how many times we've had people come up to us and say, I've never told anyone this Mm -hmm. before, but this happened to me. And it's like, you know, Joe and I have been out of town and had our paranormal, you know, our logo t-shirts on and people would just come up and like, paranormal, I have a ghost story, I have a Bigfoot story, I have a... (laughs) alien story <laughs> and they will be so open just to tell this us perfect strangers their experience it's like yeah. somebody wants to, to, to but hear even my if story you, even if you come down to a kind of safer um in inverted commas a safer area of the paranormal than than bigfoot than aliens than ghosts what you actually find when you look at it and a lot of people won't realize or perhaps readily admit it but if you take a look at it I would say the vast majority of population in the Western world, and it probably applies to the Eastern world as well, actually believe in some level of, um, paranormal is the wrong word for this, but something that is not entirely terrestrial and physical, and whether that is religion, for a start, mm-hmm. um, the, the concept of an afterlife, the concept of a God, the concept of a higher power, um, people who have preconceptions or premonitions about things, people who have gut feelings going into a situation that, oh, no, I don't want to do that. I just have a horrible feeling about it. Well, that, in a way, is something that is beyond. That's, that's the consciousness, which is something that is not physical. It's not a science. It's not, mm-hmm. it's not a studyable science at this point. Um, people who believe in karma, People who believe that, oh, well, you know, let that guy do the bad thing. Like, he'll he'll get his due, you know. Like, well, that is that is belief in some sort of fate. So, okay, let's, let's say Bigfoot, aliens, ghosts are all just, you know, woo-woo. You, you believe in something, you, you, this, this hypothetical person, you know. Actually, and when you, when you, if you were to line 100 people up in society or you line 100,000 of them up, I reckon we're on 90 plus percent perhaps pushing a hundred percent who will believe in one of perhaps those few things i've mentioned and there'll there'll be more um certainly if you factor religion into it which is of course paranormal Mm -hmm. so it's one of the most supernatural Mm -hmm. things there is and you know so yeah all those guys in the bar might think you nuts but actually if you question them do you fully believe that you were just standing here and there's absolutely nothing else you'll start now hitting a minority of people who believe that. Right. So maybe we're not as nuts as as many will quickly want yeah. to point out. I think people are just judgmental, right? It's yeah. it's yeah. more people just want to um, judge you versus accept what you believe or, or kindly disagree. It's tough to um, accept the fact that someone doesn't believe the same exact things as you do. And when they find out that you do believe other things, maybe they're being judgmental, but more questionable and want to learn more. It's a natural human um, defense mechanism as well to, to, to kind of stand back and say, you're nuts. Instead of having that initial confidence to say, Oh, I completely agree with you mm-hmm. when perhaps, you know, you're in the minority mm-hmm. and that's why you say all of a sudden, maybe that guy says you're nuts. And then an hour later, he's sitting at the bar and he says, actually, do you know what? I did have this one thing, this one time, or, <laughs> yeah. you know, my grandma did tell this story or actually I used to live in this house and this one thing, this one night. And, you know, it just, sometimes you've got to just give, give people a bit of time. And that, mm-hmm. that probably applies to all of us as well. So, Oh yeah. Have you done any, um, 
paranormal investigations or mm. field work or anything else? I like haven't. Mm-hmm. I haven't. Do you want to? Now, well, yes. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I have a couple of friends. I've interviewed a few kind of ghost hunting teams um, for the show, and I've had some very open opportunities and and invitations to go and do so, and it was always my intention to do so. And then as I was reaching the end of the first season of the show, I had a number of very low level, but a number of incredibly strange things start to happen in my home. My my sons now are two and four, nearly Mm -hmm. three and nearly five. They were probably one and three one and it was a few years ago three years or so ago they were they're they're very young now they were even younger then and the eldest one saw some things something under the bath eyes in the garden some odd things that he'd never mentioned before and he'd never mentioned since and i at the time started to think that this is this is this kind of uh the more i look into the void the more it starts looking back mm-hmm. um this is something i've heard you know it's very kind of keelian that you start looking into this and it's going to start looking back at you and while i have no particular fear of it i think there are going to be certain situations where i probably would jump out my boots but i'm <laughs> you know i'm kind of open to it i just at that time thought i don't want this in the house with my babies right and so actually season one was going to continue. And at that point I thought, do you know what? I was about 16 episodes in. I'm going to just call this a season and take a break. And I stopped watching the shows and everything for a little while. And the whole house calmed down. Uh-huh. And, 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 and then I kind of went back in and nothing's happened since. But there was a string for a couple of months of a whole load of weird, just little things, but weird yeah. little things that came into the home uh-huh. that I was uncomfortable with. And actually at that point I thought, do you know what? It's probably best I don't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But now, especially when they're young, mm-hmm. put sure. them in a position where, you know, I bring something into the house. Yeah. Or... And I would, so, if you would have just told that story without mentioning your sons, I would have said, well, maybe it's just your mind opening up to it more. Maybe you're just noticing it more, stuff like that. But to actually see other people around you see the same thing, that, that really opens up different things. Yeah. Now, there's always the, the, the possibility that, he's a tiny little guy and he watches all sorts of weird things and cartoons with aliens and, you know, as they all do, that it's his little imagination running wild. And it might just be coincidental. It might just be because he was having those little imaginations at the time I was doing the paranormal, that it was, I was a little bit too suggestible to it. Mm -hmm. Who knows? But I just, I took a step back. So to answer your question, like, yeah, I'm definitely going to go and do some ghost hunts, but when the opportunities were arising, I actually thought I'm, I'm going to just not not go and yeah. go and put myself in that that world right right now. Yeah, we get that. We've been there. We've brought things home with us, and it's like, man. Yeah. Now I got you know, like four spirits in my house. I think I have more, but <laughs> <laughs> well, permanently, like per- yes. permanent residents. Yes, they don't want to go okay. anywhere. They don't want to interact, but they don't they they don't want to leave so i have a man and a woman and a a spirit of a young girl and a young boy and two dogs spirits in my house (laughs) do you mind no it doesn't bother me as long as they don't aren't menacing or don't scare me 
it it doesn't bother me. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, you know, just I live by myself, so you know. Okay. I'm barely home. They can have my house. Just don't <laughs> don't scare my parakeet and don't make a mess. <laughs> it was maybe their house first. Could have been. Could have been. Could mm-hmm. have been. Yeah. yeah. It's a, almost a hundred years old, so um, you know I'm sure it's had several several owners. I, you know, I did have one experience which was really interesting. I had a neighbor lady who was elderly; she was in her 90s, who passed away. And because Joe and I traveled so much, and we're on the road, and I work full time, you know, I wasn't around the house a lot. And what I didn't find out that she had passed away until three months later. And after I found out she passed away, I felt really bad. I'm like, oh, she's such a nice lady and this, that, and the other. Well, one night I woke up and she was standing in my bedroom. Just standing there, staring at me. And then she just disappeared. I'm like, okay. And I wasn't scared. I thought really honestly if I ever saw a full body apparition again that I would just like pee my pants. But I was just like more shocked that she was there and I was, and I didn't say anything to her and I felt bad about that because I was just like thinking why is she here why is she in my house right you hear that frequently from people <laughs> who are even who aren't in in this paranormal world of ours who perhaps are absolute non-believers who actually when they witness something don't just scream and run out mm-hmm. they actually do perhaps freeze perhaps go into a um you know, a moment of kind of just lockdown where like, like you say, where you maybe perhaps don't speak and then you wish you had, but yeah. it's actually not, so I hear, quite the terrifying experience, a little bit more confusing. Mm-hmm. It's and, interesting. And, and, and a moment of disbelief more mm-hmm. than fear. Yeah. I felt her before I saw her. It was that feeling like if you're ever out in a thunderstorm and you get that like electric feeling like, oh, I might get zapped by lightning. It was that feeling and, and, it was so interesting how your body physically reacts when that type of energy is around you. It's, yeah. I can't describe it. It's so interesting, cool, bizarre, you know, question, it just makes you question like, what are we? Are mm-hmm. we, are we energy? Are we wavelengths? Are we, um, um, what's the word, Joe? Uh, Thinking like quantum vib- theory. Yeah, like are Quarks. we vibrations? Are oh, you know what is our yeah. essence? Yeah, the million dollar question. Right, yeah. exactly. And that's why we do this every week to try to figure. <laughs> but we this don't out. make a million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> no, exactly. How do you feel that? Um, I know. How do you feel that we differ paranormally from the UK to the US? Do you think? Because obviously you, the castle's been around longer. The you know just the history. The history, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think now, um, certainly with the, as I say, with this connection we all have across the internet that we can talk, um, albeit with a time difference, I can talk to you. I feel mm-hmm. we're as close now as we've ever been, um, <clears throat> in terms of kind of interest, in terms of shared. Um, shared knowledge and shared education on it. I, I think that we are informed by you guys the same way you're informed by us. That almost we're in the same, the same learning field together now, mm-hmm. more so and increasingly so. We obviously get all the American shows. I don't know if you necessarily get any of the British ones, but we get all the big um, U.S. ghost hunting shows or all sorts of paranormal and supernatural shows. Kind of come across here. So 
you know, I, I sit and watch your big ghost hunting shows, and I think that therefore does inform and shape slightly the way that we do it here, whether that's because we're copying the things that we perhaps see on the American broadcast mm-hmm. or, you know, it might be a little bit more organic than that. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, I think there's a lot, a lot of it, a lot of the difference is shaped by there are still some massive cultural differences between the US and the UK. Um, I think one of the primary ones being religion. Mm-hmm. Um, in in the US, I think something like 20% of your population would, would re- register themselves as non-religious, whereas in the UK, it's like 56% or something, mm-hmm. I think, who would regard themselves as being non-religious. Mm-hmm. I think when it comes to censuses and you have to mm-hmm. declare your... Um, and so I think that plays a part in the way that we look at it, because I think in America you have a way, a, far more of a focus on things like angels, demons, um, certain paranormal things being um, in line with the word of God or, or a God, whereas here it's a little bit removed from that. Um, I think... I think obviously the history plays a big part. Um, I think the oldest building in the UK in the US is about from about the 1600s or yeah. something. Mm-hmm. Whereas, by contrast, one of the houses, not the house I lived in before the one now, but the one prior to that, was built in 1604. Oh. It was just my house. Yeah. Um, so you know we've got castles and homes and cottages here that are a thousand years old plus. Now I don't know that that necessarily changes our attitude to it because your country the land is still of that age Mm -hmm. um yeah but a lot of what you see culturally that's why you you hear all these um all the talk in america it's that classic classic trope of the ancient indian Mm -hmm. burial ground Mm -hmm. because actually once you go back past a certain stage it comes out of western culture western law and steps back into um to kind of the, the the Native American, the, mm-hmm. the original peoples. Um, whereas here, a lot of those, a lot of those homes are still standing. That they, they were owned by the kings, who were still in line to the throne. And um, so, I think the history does play a part. But I'm not sure. As I say, I'm not sure that necessarily changes our approach. I think there is a little bit more of a of a focus on gadgets in terms of ghost hunting mm-hmm. gadgets in the US than we perhaps have here. Um, though I think a lot of that is just what you see on TV. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if that's necessarily the case when you speak to your everyday kind of ghost hunting teams in the small towns. I think they, they do focus on that on TV because it gives them a lot more to showcase and yeah. to fill, mm-hmm. fill an hour slot with. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we, we use things here like the Ouija board a lot more openly than is than is accepted in the US. For sure. Um and yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot of kind of a lot more folklore, I think, that 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 kind of takes place here, but also it's a lot smaller. And so if we look at something like Bigfoot, you guys have woodlands and forests in in the States that are bigger than our country. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we, we kind of can't lose a big <laughs> family of Bigfoots in the UK yeah. because 
like they, 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 you don't have to go very far till you come to a little village. Whereas you know you've got deserts and mountain ranges mm-hmm. and stuff over there. So I think the expanse of it plays a part. Now well, that that's a little bit more cryptids than it is yeah. ghosts. But if we look at the paranormal in general, mm-hmm. yeah, we um, when we travel, uh, we went through Pennsylvania, which is the state just south of us, and it blew my mind when I when we started driving through there for the first time to see these hills of just trees massive as far massive as you can forest. see and i'm like no wonder bigfoots can hide you know yeah. <laughs> there's plenty yeah. of space for them mm-hmm. to hide for sure now um what what part of the uk are you you in mark uh just north of london so okay. i'm out in the countryside okay. but um kind of half hour or so drive of uh, north of london nice. south of you know cambridge yeah. i say mm-hmm. you know cambridge cambridge the the, the kind of old so yeah, about halfway between Cambridge and London. Okay. Um, so yeah, there's all the history of 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 the land. As I say, it, it's not uncommon for for people in in normal small villages to be living in three hundred year old homes. Um, I say not uncommon. I mean mm-hmm. fairly common. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, for homes to be built that. You know, we we would say you live in a Victorian. Oh no, I live in an Edwardian home. Or do you live in a Mm -hmm. Tudor house? Oh, it's yeah, it's Tudor style, but actually it was Edwardian built. That's just kind of standard conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, which kind of puts puts most of our bedrooms back a couple of hundred years. (laughs) Um, There have been many, many, many generations uh, lived and died in those homes. Yeah, and obviously, I mean, ghost hunting is nothing new in the states. Of course, it's not. Um, But I think. You know, the London Ghost Club formed here in 1860-something, I think, and a couple of those guys went on to form the Society for, the, the Society for, for Psychical Research a couple of decades later, it was about 1880. <laughs> um, so that, as I say, there's, there's, there's a deep history to even the, the ghost hunting that mm-hmm. I, I appreciate there also is stateside. Yeah. Um, but there is a kind of rich tradition of, delving into the unknown here yeah and you know the the level of the people that do that in the like the psychical research is so much deeper than just going out ghost hunting right because even i like people ask me are you a paranormal investigator i'm like well no i'm more of a ghost hunter because i don't really spend the amount of time it takes to do proper investigation but when you get into the people that dig deeper into it in the psych I can't say that word but parapsychology type situations it's just amazing that the the stuff that they find like you remember the Philip experiment you know stuff like that it's they're digging yeah. so much deeper and they're not out going into these old buildings and just saying is there anyone here to talk to us you know well it's more research based yeah. than entertainment based mm-hmm. um yeah you know, and there's nothing wrong with being a ghost hunter. If no, you just enjoy going to historical locations mm-hmm. or or different locations, there's nothing wrong with that. But then but it depends have- what it is you're trying to, what you're trying to learn, what you're trying to prove, what information you're trying to get. If all you want is to come out with with an EVP or a photograph of a shadow, well, then sure. But that's not investigating. No. That's right. going somewhere and running a recorder and then coming home and thinking, oh, actually, did I hear that? Yeah, that sounds a little bit like he said this. Oh, well, then it's a ghost. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. not an investigation. Yeah. Right. Yeah, we we have friends who 
have had paranormal groups or teams and they've been doing it for 30 years and they have cases and homes of people they've helped for over 15 years they have been going back to, uh, you know to me that's a paranormal researcher that is somebody who is not just coming in and saying yep got a demon I'll put it in the <laughs> trunk of my car and I'll drop it off in the grocery store parking lot right which we've had people yeah. say um, no it's going in and trying to understand why this is happening to these particular people is it the home is it the person is it the land understanding the full gamut and you know they've been doing it 15 20 years at the same location and still don't have the answers mm -hmm. that's crazy yeah. but cool um <laughs> you know it, I, I guess it all depends on like what effort do you want to put in it kind of like podcasting do you just want to have fun and, and do your podcast and not edit it and just put out whatever or do you really want to take it seriously and find the guest like you do mark and and do the research and understand what the topic is going to be and edit it and mark it, you know it, it's different levels for different people mm -hmm. and i think yeah, that shows cool. too you know really in podcasting taking the time to not put out fluff and put out great content is is how you sink or swim definitely because we've you know we've yep. had friends who's like i'm gonna do a podcast i'm like oh, good luck with that <laughs> You know? and, it doesn't. and that's why I'm sure your listeners are all well aware, but that's why it's important for for the audience and for the wider audience of it, for the wider public to understand, and I'm sure you guys have said this a million times, I'm sure your listeners are well aware, to understand that nearly all of what you see on these TV, the televised versions of this is not accurate. Yeah, right. I think yeah. a lot of it is frankly fabricated mm -hmm. yeah oh it is we know. Go out and say yeah. it. Like, i think a lot of it is just bs off the bat mm -hmm. a lot of it is you know you'll know if you if you go and spend an entire night in somewhere you'll come out with nothing right so you can't go and spend two or three hours in there and come out with nearly an hour's worth of back-to-back of exactly. -back evidence and that's why you know i'm going to tell you it, that's not yeah a it's lot of it is just fake whatever they say it is mm -hmm. Yeah, we've we've but interviewed it's, it's many. The overuse of 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 all these things, you know, you can you can run a hundred pieces of equipment in a house, and, and one of them will show something. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying it's all made up. I mean, like mm -hmm. these guys are going in there trying to find evidence. That's fine. Like they're not they're not doing it just for for entertainment. But the network's not going to keep funding it. No. Mm -hmm if they come out with the amount of evidence that you would legitimately come out with mm -hmm. if you and me went and did it. Yeah. You know, we're good friends. Zach Fagan is not a better ghost hunter than yeah. me and you. Well, we're good friends. I not, we don't call each other in that, but we meet everybody at different conventions. And one of the big conventions we go to, we see everybody from the shows where it's like a big family reunion and they'll come out on air and say it's entertainment. Right. We go there, you get an hour show, you get 40 minutes of actual, the show, that could be three to six months of recording. Sure. They'll record in the summertime, go to a different show, come back, record some more, and then put the show up. So people, you know, but yeah. they'll, they'll come right out and say, it's entertainment. There's situations where the producer might say, no, 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 let's do it this way. It looks better or that, you know? And, some, and they do say at the beginning of a lot of these shows, this mm -hmm. is for entertainment purposes right. only. Yeah. But they don't say, 
actually, a lot of this is fake. It's just for fun. Uh They pretend it's not. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, I mean, if you're getting a big fat TV contract, you're going to say whatever (laughs) they want you to say, right? There's like, yes, I was scared. I I ran like a girl. (laughs) (laughs) But, But it's interesting, though, because there are some of those locations that they've filmed in that Joe and I've been in and there is truly activity in those places. They are haunted. They are, um, you know, for example, some of the haunted prisons, there is scary, scary things going on in there. Do they make a show about it? Yes. Is there really strange and unusual and frightening things? Yes. (laughs) Yeah. We've seen it with our own eyes. Yeah. And yeah, since we've been doing this, we've really scaled back on equipment. Because it's more about the experience than having something flash and prove to other people. It's like, no, I just, I, I want to experience it right. and learn from yeah, myself. Yeah, that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And, and you can't, you, know, you can't throw the, the baby out with the bathwater. As you say, just because I've seen every ghost hunting, U.S. ghost hunting show go to Waverly Hills Sanatorium. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For sure. Doesn't mean it's not haunted like it is i was talking with you met forrest burgess from astonishing Mountains that Mm -hmm. that night we did it on halloween and and he was he went there and he saw stuff he's like i did stuff i can't explain like i saw a guy i saw a guy cross the camera i saw and they weren't they weren't filming any of it and he saw it he's like yeah i saw a ghost you know until you can prove otherwise um Mm -hmm. so there's stuff there as you say like the the place is clearly haunted or whatever the word is for Mm -hmm. it do you think a, a, a location can be over, uh, I'm just using this term loosely, ghost hunted. Do you think that some of these places like Waverly Hills, there would be so many people just going there that it'd either drive the spirits away or the spirits would be like, eh, I'm not showing up today. <laughs> so I need to, I probably need to step back up first from that question and, mm-hmm. and kind of preface it a little bit with, with perhaps my general conclusion, my general um, attitude to what I think is going on there. Because as much as I've looked into it, I'm still, and I'll I'll say it to to everybody, I'm still not 100% sure of anything, frankly, but I'm Mm -hmm. still not 100% convinced that we're dealing with spirits of the deceased. I think it seems unbelievably likely in some occasion, in some situations, that that is what it is, that the evidence points that, well, it must be. But I also think there are other factors to it that we don't understand. I think a lot of it comes from our energy. I think a lot of it comes from our consciousness. I think there are times when, and this is theoretical, when theoretically the human consciousness can project or create things. I think the experience is so subjective that there are situations whereby somebody can witness something, but the person next to them doesn't. Somebody can see mm-hmm. something, the person next to them doesn't. And that extends beyond just just ghosts. The, the stories of a girl on, a, on the freeway stuck in traffic and she's sitting in the middle lane and there's a huge UFO over the top of her and she sits and watches it for eight minutes mm-hmm. and no one else on the freeway mm-hmm. sees it. And she's not yeah. drinking. It's you know, so. Why only her? And and so the, there's all this. As much as there's great evidence that these are ghosts, there's also great evidence that 
a lot of this is too subjective and is perhaps caused by, triggered by, only received by the human consciousness. Mm -hmm. And taking that explanation back into your question, I think, therefore, the power of energy, of feeling, the power of too much positive energy or too much negative energy can also trigger some of these things. Mm -hmm. So if you, if you remove that explanation from it, can, can a place be over ghost hunted? I think if I were a spirit, then yes, perhaps. But I think almost the opposite may be true in that if some of these things are only a result of the energy that we put into them, the attention we give to them, the energy that we have with our intention when we go into that space, that we are perhaps causing that. And I'm not saying we are, but that actually that may therefore increase the amount of energy. Mm. Um, I have a good friend who, who she was on the show a few years ago, Penny Griffiths Morgan, who's a ghost hunter here, and she's done a lot of kind of books and stuff as well. And she takes ghost hunting tours. And she says that people will come on the tour a little bit close-minded to it and see nothing. Mm. And she'll be, getting, she'll be getting results, she'll be getting noises, she'll be getting movement on a spirit board. And some of these guys are just closed off to it. And she said, and sometimes over the course of the night, they'll start to just loosen up slightly. They'll have a joke. They'll become a bit more relaxed. And the more relaxed they are, then actually they start having these experiences too. Mm, that's interesting. Now, that's not saying that the experience didn't happen at the beginning, because it did. Everyone else witnessed it. But to that person or to those people, it didn't happen wow. at the beginning because their mindset was wrong. The frame of their attitude was wrong. Their energy was wrong to it. And as they get themselves into the right energy zone, whatever you, whatever term you want to give to it, they're then more susceptible to the experience happening. And so you can't ignore that. If it was just a, a ghost that anyone would see and it walked into the room, they would all see it, believe it or not. But some don't. So are your eyes tuned differently? Or is it actually something to do with consciousness with energy yeah. with mm-hmm. and i think it is mm-hmm. though i have no further explanation and it's infuriating because i wish i could answer some <laughs> more questions on that you'd be a rich man if you had that answer right the more I look into it the more questions you're left with and yeah it's the same as people that are hearing voices or same thing like you said seeing different things it's it's weird that these spirits can almost manipulate the person that wants us that they want them to see Sure. Like, you know, we were in a forest in Pennsylvania, was it, Joe? And Joe had an experience where he saw a man standing there. Now, I didn't see anything, but I saw Joe react to what Mm -hmm. he was seeing. Um, So, you know, everybody's journey is different. And I think... I just think that it is a fact of your consciousness and how your consciousness absorbs the energy around you. Because, I mean, obviously, we don't even know what consciousness is. We don't know where it comes from. Yeah. Sure. It's true. You know, are our brains receivers or are they transmitters? We don't know. Maybe a little bit of both. Um, And it's all viewed through through our own private, subjective kind of filter of our own mm -hmm. lives, of of our own selves onto it. Um, What I mean by that is if there was a, a ghost, say a poltergeist, hypothetically speaking so there's a poltergeist in a home 
of a family of Christian belief, then they would certainly try and on many documented occasions succeed in moving that spirit on with Christian prayer. Yeah. Well, what if they'd moved out and the family, next family who moved in were of a different religion? Mm-hmm. That Muslim family wouldn't be trying Christian prayer. But there's just as much documentation from spirits from other parts of the world being moved on successfully, homes mm-hmm. cleared, souls cleansed, with prayer of of, of another religious d- denomination. And therefore, so I have, I don't know if you know Sean Austin. Sean Austin did a show called Ghost Loop. He was on Demon Files as well. And I spoke mm-hmm. to him and he's very religious and credit to him. And he does a lot of work in, to this day of helping people who are plagued with with bad spirits moving them on with the power of prayer and and to him that's christian prayer and you know i i I believe him but i put the question to him did he believe that it was the power of god a christian god the power of jesus the world that that, that was so good that it was moving these these spirits on cleaning and what would happen if he put to them the word of another God? And was it therefore the power of God of positive intention mm-hmm. that to him exactly. through his mind, that's God. But if somebody came with an equal amount of positivity and positive intention and positive speak, but not the word of the Bible, would it have the same effect? Now he couldn't answer that. And, and you know, I don't hold him to that, but that's mm-hmm. kind of my point. Yeah. Yeah. It's the power of intention. Plain and simple. That it's, yeah. yeah. Or some people will come into it and, and see it through a Christian filter. And so going back to the point, it's it, we all look at these things through our own filter. If you're in India right now, they're not thinking it's an angel and a demon because they've got different names for them. Now, yeah. they may be the same thing, mm-hmm. but it, but it's all subjective to the, to the experiencer, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Now, before we let you go here, I want to mention to our listeners about your books. I know you just mentioned that they're not so much paranormal, but I still want to dig deep into that little sub, that little spot in your brain <laughs> and talk about your books. I don't encourage it. <laughs> it's so, a weird place in my head, Joe. I warn you now. <laughs> I'm not necessarily stepping too far. I love it. You know us. The weirder, the better. That's right. <laughs> But anyways, no, don't just tell us a little bit about, you know, what sparked your, your wanting to write this book and maybe a little bit about your creative process. So writing's my, my thing, really. Since school, I was an English student. I went on and studied English literature and language. I have always been an avid reader. I have, since I was, was certainly at school, written screenplays. I used to always want to be a kind of movie screenplay writer and I used to sit and write plays and with all the kind of uh, stage instructions or for for film, it would say, Mm -hmm. you know, cut here to shot of this, you know, in brackets. And then like the script, he says this, he says this, you know, scene, he pulls away in car, fade to black, you know, none of it was ever made into anything, but I always had this (laughs) this passion to to write and then to create. I've always been artistic. Um, You know, I paint, I, I, redecorate my house every month like I, I'm forever kind of just trying to be creative I think mm-hmm. people who are truly creative always need some sort of creative mm-hmm. output yes. whatever that is um so for me it was writing um I love writing um I've written numerous 
books or part books or first drafts of books that never really got anywhere. Um, and then about five or six years ago, I was made redundant from work. And while searching for the next job, thankfully, I received a, enough of a payoff to to survive for a few months. Mm-hmm. And that allowed me a little bit of scope to just reevaluate what I was doing, traveling into the city every day. And I loved work. I love work. Mm-hmm. It, wasn't, it wasn't a negative thing. But actually, I thought... As a family, we'd wanted we wanted to have kids. They were both born since then. So I thought, well, do you know what? This is the opportunity to perhaps do something different. So started looking into the, the podcast, mm-hmm. the book. We had two sons, um, and I've never looked back. And and all being well, I will touch the wood of the desk. All being well, <laughs> I'll um I won't end up having to kind of do that commuter life back into the oh. city again. And now the third book is finished it's not published yet it'll be a, a month or so but the third one's on its way out soon it will certainly be the the first half of this year um and yeah it's it's a kind of new new life really yeah. of of being able to just be a, as creative as i've kind of always wanted to, That's to be great. and tell our listeners a little bit about the premise of the books the series well, the first two uh, are linked. The third one's not linked at all. The third one that's coming out is is not at all affiliated. Um, the first two are um, a little bit... Uh, I don't like to use the word post-apocalyptic. It's mm-hmm. probably not. It has connotations now of zombies and Pacific Rim and all these. It's not quite that far-stretched, though it's a little bit. It sets a, starts off with a, a young guy who is working out as a conservationist in the um, rainforests of northern Thailand when (sighs) it's an undisclosed event, but it's effectively an asteroid. It's insinuated Mm -hmm. that an asteroid has hit um, in New Mexico. And within only a matter of hours, it kind of downs world air travel um, and starts to create kind of global panic. And this isn't, that's why I say it's not post-apocalyptic because it's not an apocalypse, but this kind of, and he gets stranded in northern Thailand and has to try and find his way back to Europe, but without air travel. So he meets up with these two guys, an American soldier and a, and a Dutch soldier, who are trying to off-road across Myanmar, um, which, of course, you are strictly not allowed in without a visa. So that entire thing is uh, and it's about them kind of picking their way through Myanmar, um, across into India, and then up through the Gulf to get back to Europe. And as they progress, the world slowly unravels just a little bit more, a little bit more as they go. Um, And so that's the first one. And then the second one picks up the story, but with a completely different cast of characters about seven years after that. And a family who, when the initial impact happened, evacuated south from Albuquerque down into northern Mexico, as I say, seven years after this, this kind of theoretical event has happened. And there's a couple of pretty bad uh, bad things that happened to them at the beginning and they off on foot looking for their son traveling south through mexico so both of them are kind of road road movie mm-hmm. books road books. They're, they're kind of traveling from a to b um yeah in this kind of slightly i'll use it, the term again but this slightly <laughs> kind of post-apocalyptic world where there's there's perhaps not adequate law enforcement and there's no supplies and provisions and you know there's no fuel for cars so everyone's on foot and horseback and yeah, it's um, they're kind of fun, you know. They're wild. They're kind of uh, they're a little bit dark. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like I like things to not necessarily always be happy. Um, 
but they've both got you know happy enough endings to be to be to satisfy the reader yeah <laughs> Now I'm happy. Endings, yeah. I'm curious now to pick up the books and actually read them. We will definitely yeah, well, the link third one, The third one, I was wrestling with not giving it a happy ending. Mm-hmm. Um, I have just finished it, and I have just put the slightest bit of happiness onto the end because I felt so guilty that people would just <laughs> think it's awful. Um, but it's not published yet, and I may be enticed to go back and just yeah. remove the glimmer of hope off the end because I do like <laughs> life doesn't have a happy ending. I mean, it often does, but, it, but sometimes it doesn't. And yeah. so um, the question that they're or the the last thing they shut the books are either going to go, "Damn it, Mark!" <laughs> yeah, go, you know, hey, like Mark. my favorite <laughs> author in the world who has influenced me more than anyone else is Cormac McCarthy. I don't know if you've read anything by Cormac McCarthy, but he wrote The Road and No Country for Old Men. Um, And The Road is incredible. I mean, you should, I say to anybody, you should read The Road. It's dark and it's not a lot of fun, but it's an incredible piece of writing. And that has a similar ending where at the end, you kind of, you're left, oh no, hang on. What did he? Was that good? Yeah. Was that good? Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> then you close the book and you're like, damn you, man. Like, how do I know whether that was? And there's another one he did called Blood Meridian, which in my eyes is even better. Mm. And at the end of that, that's you read through the life of, of uh, and, and times of this character and it gets to the end. Yeah. And you think, oh, my God, I don't know if that had a good ending or not. And I have a good friend who read it. And she's read it a couple of times. And yeah. she thinks it doesn't have a good ending. Hmm. And I think it does. I read it with a, I think that was okay at the end. Yeah. And she was going, no, no, it's not because of this. It's like, I like that. I like yeah. that. It's all in perception, right? Mm-hmm. I always liken yeah. writing a book and, and, and finishing and publishing it to birthing a child. It's like you grow this idea and you're anticipating it going out and then boom, it's here and <laughs> then people judge it. <laughs> it's, like, yeah. it's like, oh my gosh. It's so much. Fun At least now. with a book, you can control it a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. a little bit. <laughs> well, Mark, we want to thank you yes. so much for coming on. Um, we appreciate you, Mark. You're great. If anybody wants to get a hold of you or check out your stuff, I know Peer Beyond the Veil is available everywhere you get your podcast from, and he can also be found at marklwatson.co.uk, where you will get all the information about Mark, his podcast, his books and his contact info. And like I say, thank you so yes, much for joining us you. tonight. And Thank you so much for having yes. me on. What a pleasure. And hopefully we'll do it again. We will. You guys are so much fun. I'm here whenever you need me. Great. And right. as, we said, as you said before, podcasters can't stop talking. So no. That's true. I can sit and chat to you guys all night. So. And we want to thank all our listeners for tuning in this week for this awesome interview with Mark. Let's leave you with some shattered faces from Devin Five. Goodbye. In the days of Dirt's glorious times, you're confused in your life and your life. And if you never bleed another lie, you'll scream for the light of your day. And you look to me with his boy's eyes, but the truth, but you never understood, either kid, never heard a word, what I said.